Sorry, I just uh, I just wanted to do that. That's the sound of your shoes hitting the ground as you run down the long corridor of. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, man. My uh, your feet stink. My feet smell so bad. Fucking bog of eternal shoe stink. Can you smell my feet? Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have done that. My feet are that was. <laughs> <laughs> Roll the fucking credits. Oh, mate. Oh, my so God. Much. Jesus Christ. Blum, blum, blum. Oh. Art cinema, fart cinema. Hi there. Fart cinema. Welcome to Art cinema, fart cinema. Art cinema, fart cinema. Hi there. Welcome to Art Cinema, Fart Cinema. It is a podcast in which we talk about bad, obscure, and culty movies, which we term Fart Cinema. I'm Nadim. I'm Simon. And this week, the episode is called Quest Yon. Simon, I have a quest yon for you. <laughs> what film are we covering this week? It's the cult, no one's ever heard of it. Obscure bad film Labyrinth starring David Bowie. <laughs> now, <laughs> the cornerstone of everyone my age's childhood. That's true. So, we this week we're covering quest movies. Yeah. And Labyrinth is the quest movie to end all quest movies because the Labyrinth is the ultimate quest. I would and say so, yeah. David Bowie. Actually, you know something? I looked this up for the podcast because I didn't want to be the guy who says his name wrong throughout the whole recording. His name is David Bowie. Bowie? Is not that a, Bowie. Is Bowie like It's a, Bowie, like Bowie. as in Joey or Bowie. Zoe. Because so his son is called Zoe Bowie. Zoe Bowie. But his actual name's Duncan Jones. Anyway, David it. Bowie. Not Bowie. I've called him Bowie all my life. Yeah, everyone calls him Bowie. Everyone in the UK calls him Bowie. But if you're in, like, America... Bowie? Then it's Bowie. But then I think that's his actual name as well, you know. So I guess I guess that's he all must I have think. he must have laid down at one point and said, "I don't give a fuck anymore. Call me what you like." Well, apparently, David Bowie. I don't give a shit. Apparently, he called himself David Bowie or Bowie after the knife because it cuts both ways. Right. So it could be said either way. I don't know, but I think it is Bowie. <laughs> Labyrinth is a film about a young girl called. Sarah. 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 And Sarah decides to decides that she doesn't like she's she's a little bit of a spoilt brat and she lives in this big beautiful massive mansion and It's more like just a big house. Oh, it's a big beautiful American colonial house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know that's a thing. It just sounds good. A colonial, colonial house. Colonial house. So she lives in this big massive house where her evil stepmom and her dad, who's a bit of a wimp. <laughs> wimpy father and she's just a bit of a brat man and she wishes away so her parents go away socialising and when she's looking after her little brother who cries all the time like a little annoying brat Toby Toby he needs to shut up he cries all the time she wishes him away and wishes that he'd get kidnapped by the goblins and lo and behold it fucking happens the goblins come and take him away come and take away Toby uh, led by the goblin king played by Mr. Bowie Bowie it's not, yeah. It doesn't feel good saying Bowie. Do you want to just say Bowie? Bowie all the time. Bowie, yeah. It's Bowie. Bowie. David's Bowie. It's Bowie. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, in order to rescue her little brother, because it turns out she doesn't actually dislike him that much, yeah. uh, she is tasked by Mr. Bowie, also known as Jareth. <laughs> or, the, yeah, yeah, Jareth. The, the king of the goblins. Goblin king. The goblin goblin king. king. 
Uh, she's tasked by him to navigate his labyrinth, which is a giant, big, fucking, massive, weirdo maze that surrounds his castle. And she needs, she's got 13 hours to get through the maze and rescue Toby, else Toby will turn into a goblin. So we've already got a sexy premise, we've already got a sexy David Bowie, and we've also got the sexy Jim Henson directing, directing it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a total masterwork of, of puppets. It's a master of puppets movie. <laughs> <laughs> master of puppets. Master of puppets. Pulling your strings. Uh, the this... puppet work is amazing in this film. Yeah. One, one thing that we should say, though, it does kind of qualify as a fart movie because it's a, it was a flop. It was a massive flop. So this film... It was, I think, a $25 million budget and it made half that in America. See, that's, so, that's really shit. And that's it's, not just, it's not just... Uh, I say that it's shit because why does the world not embrace good movies? Because mm. I really... I, mean, I think this is a good film. I think most people would you know, you know, high-five me on that you one. You know what I think about this film, right? So yeah. it's a film that, I, clearly because I didn't grow up with it or anything like that, I'm, I'm a total outsider, okay? Mm. And infamously, you've always ragged me on this, I got, I got to... A certain point of this film and just decided nah I'm bailing on it I never watched it but I decided to watch it for this podcast I think I can't fault it but I don't like it right okay like I, I it's fine but I don't think I think because it's not patterned into my young brain as a child and then I'm able to kind of be you know you know <laughs> you know like when Toy Story 4 came out and everyone was like it's amazing and it's mm-hmm. like no you just like Toy Story as a kid and your brain can't fucking figure out that you don't like it yeah. <laughs> I do get what you're saying but I think that other people, people of younger ages, come along and still like this film. Oh no, for sure. I, I just, I, it almost feels like a zombie or something. It feels like a, you know how when you go to like a waxwork museum and it's like a celebrity that you know and but they just look a little bit off. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel about this film. It's like, yeah, it's a really beautiful waxwork sculpture, but it looks fucking creepy, man. Yeah, something about it creeps me out. Well, that's that's kind of good. That's quite creepy. like creepy. I can't, that maybe that explains it's flopping as well because it's you know it's, it's a people, hard sell. I think. People look at it and go, "It looks a bit weird." Jim Henson, oh man, just stick stay with the Muppets, you know. <laughs> well, apparently, so this movie flopped really hard, and apparently, it was a really difficult time in Jim Henson's life, and then he died about five years later. Yeah, he died with this film and The Dark Crystal being his only attempts at feature filmmaking, yeah. and they were both flops. And he died feeling like he. He, he, would have, he would have felt well, no, he would have felt like he hadn't achieved the feature film success that he wanted to and I think that's kind of a shame because he made two films that are actually really good yeah they both emerged <laughs> as being movies that people really enjoy yeah, yeah so and it, actually there's a Dark Crystal uh, sequel movie coming out pretty soon I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fucking Labyrinth sequel but there is there's a remake coming out <laughs> oh no well, that's, that's probably a bad idea whatever that's yeah. going to be and you can tell that what they're is gonna... the Goblin King going to be played by fucking <laughs> James Corden is it no, no. Oh god! I was going to say like some Ellen Burstyn. You know how Ellen Burstyn played like uh, Lord Summerisle in the Wicker Man remake. She could play the Goblin King. It's like an old lady. Well, I'm the Goblin King. Now, Tom Waits can play the Goblin King. That'd be Goblin cool. Queen. Goblin the go- Queen. The Goblin Queen. So this movie is like, I think it's it's undeniably like an eighties film, right? Because the music in this movie is it's like it's like mu- mu- uh, music from like the TV show Cops, you know, like that kind of like the synthy like. It's like a high fantasy movie with a fucking synthy eighties soundtrack, and about six or seven Bowie songs as well. That's right. You know, he he does a good job. It isn't like even his solo work at the time wasn't his stuff. David Bowie, as as Music albums at the time weren't actually people's favourite stuff that he was doing in, 19, in the mid-80s. Okay. 
So it's in a way, the fact that he got this film as a vehicle kind of probably helped his music career as well because it probably gave a bit of a wind in the sails for. <laughs> well, apparently Jim Henson's uh, top pick, top picks for playing this the Goblin King was Michael Jackson's Sting, and then David Bowie ended up being the guy who played it. Yeah. So imagine Michael Jackson was the Goblin King. <laughs> Mental. There's a bit. There's a bit. You would never be able to watch this film now. Yeah, you just wouldn't be able to watch it. Yeah, because there's a bit. There's a bit in uh, this movie just before the dance magic dance number where the Goblin King has taken Toby, the young baby, into his lair, and uh, Toby's just pure crying his eyes out while all these fucking puppet goblins all around him, and you can just like this poor kid is on set. Like if you watch it, if you take yourself out of the narrative of the film, and just look at the image. It's this little child who's like, his mum signed him up to this, this movie and he's in the middle of this intricate fantasy set surrounded by monsters and he's bawling his eyes out. I and think, it's just yeah. like, what the f***? I think that it's the son of someone who worked on the film though. Really? She was just and, like, uh, get him in the movie, I don't care. You know, I think it was a guy who worked in the film got his son in there and I think that they, they do make a point in the making of that he didn't spend all the time crying. They had to wait, they had to, wait for the tears to come to hit roll on the camera. <laughs> I want to say as well though, like, Toby the baby... He's one of those babies that, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I I feel like he looks like an old man as a baby. You know, like, <laughs> you get some babies that have got old men faces. Yeah, that was me. And uh, <laughs> is that you? I look there's like an actually, old man baby, yeah. There's an actor called Ben Gazzara who okay. is in films as a sort of senior gentleman. He's in Happiness, the Todd Solon's film uh, that I, I'm a big fan of. If you Google Ben Gazzara and Toby from Labyrinth and put them side by side on your screen... They're the same. I think they look quite similar. I think Toby looks quite like Ben Gazzara as an old man. <laughs> so there, check that out. Figure that one out. Open up a new tab on that, you know, whatever your device, if you've got a computer in front of you. Maybe you don't, but people have these phones in Spotify these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know. Maybe you're on a treadmill right now and you're thinking, fuck's sake, Simon, get on with the fucking podcast. What I was going to say, actually, was um, during the Dance Magic Dance number with in which David Bowie sings his famous song, he's wearing this, like, really tight pair of, like, leggings. And I, you can see his willy, man. Like, you can see the whole... Ridge of the whole I can't, thing. I can't see it. Am I blind to Mate. Bowie's cock? Because <laughs> I can't really see much. I can see that there's a bulge there, but I think that it's not like kind of cupped over by something. I don't think it is. I think in certain scenes in that movie, he just did not wear anything cupping that thing. I think he kept, he kept little Bowie out, you know? His Bowie constrictor. I think he let his So Bowie you can make out right. definition of like ridges and stuff I'm like pretty that. sure you can. <laughs> Pause it. And you know what? I feel better about myself now. Really? I like your long legs Feed me scrambled eggs A not too distant sound I hear Is Elvis Presley alive I fear I have a juicy round bum, but it only makes me glum. I live inside a crooked dream where my noisy neighbours kill my meme. I seem to have misplaced my truncheon. Have you been stealing from my sex dungeon? Oh, so the intricacy of this film and the inventiveness has to be admired. Like, Jim Henson was clearly, like, a super smart and inventive dude. Like, there's so many beautiful uses of, like, illusions. There's a bit where Sarah walks through a wall and it turns out that the wall was false and she just is able to walk right through. But the camera is such that it shows you the illusion 
and it also shows you that Sarah's breaking the illusion, so it's kind of cool. And there's a bit where the rocks line up and they resemble David Bowie's face, which is yeah, really yeah. cool. Then, of course, the fact that so many puppets are used all at once in certain scenes. It's like, I can't even imagine how they've managed to film that yeah. without, without going absolutely bonkers. Because they must have had like hidden holes for actors to put their hand through and do the puppet movement and stuff yeah. like that. So it must have just been a really cool set, but with tons of holes in it. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's a lot of yeah wildly imaginative stuff going on, and you're constantly just going, oh, oh, "That's nice, that's amazing." Yeah, uh, did you know that this film was scripted by Terry Jones, or yeah, Monty Python, Monty yeah. Python, and he actually came up with. There's a scene where Sarah gets through a door after you know figuring out a puzzle to choose which door to get through, and she falls down a hole that's got hands coming out of like the earth. So mm. she's falling through these hands and hands, and they eventually catch her, and they're all like using their different shapes of their hands to make faces. And it's like, we're helping hands, you know, like thumbs and all that, you know, making noses and stuff. Uh, Terry Jones actually had that idea. I mean, he didn't go as far as to figure out how the hands would work. The hands, people went to work on it. But he he actually wrote in the script and hands, you know, make faces and stuff. That is so cool. I think that's quite a cool visual concept for him to have come up with as a script writer. Yeah, As the 100%. screenplay writer, he didn't even come up with the story. It was basically, he was the sort of screenplay writer where it's like, we've got the story, just you pad out with the, the dialogue and the intricacies of who says what to who. Mm. So he's the, he wrote the screenplay, but came up with a very memorable visual set piece. So that is cool. Can you imagine what they do? Can you imagine what they do with it in the in the CGI remake? Like, because because the fun of that moment is the fact that you know it's people's hands. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like how did they choreograph all that, and how did they make sure that all the hands look good? And I don't even understand how they managed to get. I don't think that thing will even happen in a in a C, in a remake of this time. They won't even bother to go. They, they CGI it, and he completely missed the point. They won't CGI hands. They'll just won't even do that scene. Yeah, yeah that's true. They'll they'll have something else in mind, and it'll be shit. <laughs> yeah, it'll just be CGI water. It'll be CGI lava. And oh. she'll be like, ah, yeah, it's gonna suck. So Jennifer Connelly, uh, she's quite sort of she's basically a child actor in this film. That's right. She she yeah. actually survived the curse of being a child actor and had an adult career. Yeah, that's right. So that's good. And she's really her. good in this as well. Yeah, I think so. She's yeah. got a really good, she's got a real presence in it actually. And um, even so at the very end of the film, uh, there's kind of like an emotional, what you think is about to become an emotional goodbye, but it turns out it's not like, cause she's in the mirror and yeah. I, and I, it was, she was selling it to me. I was like, this is kind of emotional, even though I didn't like to like the film very much. Why did you leave us, Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not ready for this. And then it turns out it's fine. But certainly, she's got talent. Sign her up. Yeah, that kid's got class. That kid's got talent. Get her on all ten motion pictures. <laughs> um, I think my neighbours, the Kandurian demons, have started playing music. Yes. If you're hearing a drone in the background, it's because my neighbours, the Kandarian demons, are uh, are playing music. So, God damn it. So, yeah, that might be creating a bit of ambience. A little bit but of that's ambience. good. It's good to have Kandarian demon ambience, and if, especially when we're talking about Labyrinth, Labyrinth, which has got not demons, but goblins, you know? Now, I, think, I think that Sarah, as a character in this film, she stays remarkably chill, right? So her, her little brother gets kidnapped. And her parents are going to find out about it and it's going to be hellish when her parents find out about it. You yeah. know what I mean? But <laughs> she's remarkably chill the entire time. She doesn't swear once. You know? <laughs> See, if you were put into a maze and just made to, you know, 
you're going to find your little brother else will turn into a goblin. Yeah. You'd be swearing your face off. Yeah, and also, like, when uh, the first... Before she even gets into the, the first wall of the labyrinth, uh, she finds her friend Hoggle... Well, no, who's to become a friend later. Hoggle. Uh, Hoggle is like a little old bloke-type puppet mm. who's peeing in a puddle. That's she, right, yeah, we meet Hoggle while he's in a pee. And she even manages to raise a bit of a snigger and kind of an, sort of an embarrassed sort of <laughs> thing. You know, you wouldn't even be in the mood for that if your fucking kid, if, if, if your, your brother was missing. If your little brother was missing, you'd be like... It'd be like, look, mate, you need to stop pissing and tell me how to get to the centre of this fucking labyrinth. Yeah, now. <laughs> she'd be going... <laughs> but instead she's like, oh, I need to get inside this labyrinth. <laughs> I suppose i got to get through the door. And then she's like speaking completely candidly to a worm. The, the worm says, come inside and meet the missus. Have a nice cup of tea. It's like, what, crawl into like a hole that's a hole like that's an inch, this size. inch in diameter? Is she going to manage to do that? Maybe in the labyrinth she would, but they just yeah. didn't bother going there. Never went into that side of the lower. Yeah, that's going to be in the next. That's going to be the remake. She's going to miniaturise and go and have a uh, cup of tea with the worm, isn't she? Uh, that's going to fucking happen. And it turns out that the Goblin King is her father. <laughs> It turns out that she's a sperm inside the Goblin King's testicle. <laughs> this was a dream from within the testicle. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to play the Goblin King in there? My God. Yeah, so this was the film that I watched every day for a period of time. <laughs> it shows. Between school and home and away. The, the, the Australian soaps came on you at ten past labyrinth. five. I'd squeeze, quickly squeeze in Labyrinth and and another film which is in part two of Question, and I'd alternate them on days, and it, I think it went on for a long time, maybe a it's year. It's drilled into the plasticity mould of your thought, brain. There's nothing else I want to do at this time of day than watch a fantasy film that, you know, is in a different world and all the rest of it. And that's the thing, it feels, there's a there's a realness to it because it's all puppets and stuff. There's a kind of, tact, it's kind of tactile, like, it feels like you could go there. And I mean, you could, because... These were all real environments that you like. You could imagine yourself visiting because they were actually real. Whereas I think when you watch something like Guardians of the Galaxy, you know that none of that is none of that exists. But it also doesn't even exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. Whereas at least you can visit a set. Of when they were, yeah, when they were on the set of Guardians of the Galaxy, there'll have been like blue walls yeah, and wires everywhere. hanging everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas Labyrinth, it really does seem like they've built all the environments and stuff, which is cool. They and, obviously didn't build a full scale labyrinth, but. <laughs> Like, the set would have existed, which is kind of cool. When she's just at the start as well, when she's just looking down that epic long corridor and you can kind of make out where it turns to matte painting, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, I can yeah. see that it's a matte painting. But even to just be there would be amazing, wouldn't yeah, it? Awesome, yeah. It'd be so cool. I kind of wish that they still had uh, the Jim Henson creatures as well. I mean, obviously Jim Henson ain't with us anymore, but it would be cool to... Do you not think Ludo exists? So we should talk about, like, so Hoggle is uh, one of her comrades that she kind of enlists along the way. Uh, also, Ludo is someone, a big monster that's like, Rrr! hunched over a you, monster. Actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, for real. And He's like, uh, oh, Ludo, hello. <laughs> Ludo and Hoggle friends. And Ludo's like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like you're scared of everything even though he's a big massive monster. yeah he's freaked out by everything yeah um, she she rescues Ludo from from weird little goblins that yeah are who are straight up sexually assaulting him yeah what the fuck like little like, so they've got like sticks with like little biter creatures on yeah, the end of the, the sticks and they're like wow 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 and Ludo's like nope, nope. hanging upside down yeah oh man I feel bad for him 
Yeah, so there's Ludo. There's also Sir Didymus who rides a. What is the type like of a, dog? He's like you, a fox. You, you know dogs. That he, she, he rides a dog called Ambrosius. That's yeah, like a he's real like, dog. He's like a he's like a Dulux dog. He's a, like a, a the Dulux dog. The that's Dulux the technical dog. term the, for I that breed. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it over now. I think we've it's a finished sh- off the final ceiling. I think it's a Shetland sheep dog. I'm gonna actually quickly look this because up. she's got a dog like that in her life as well. Her dog who has to go and to go to the garage when it's been rained on. That's right. She's got a pet dog. It's an old English sheepdog. She's got an old English sheepdog, and when she comes into the labyrinth, she meets a character called Sir Didymus, who rides one as if it were a horse. (laughs) Uh, Who's also a fox. He's like this weird, like, English gent fox. So, foxes are weird puppets, but old English sheepdogs just remain exactly like they are in India. Yeah, but although, although the dog is a puppet as well. Which is At cool. one point, yeah. He mm. switch, it switches from a cowardly puppet head that peeks <laughs> out from behind things and then the head will like go away and then they'll just send out the real dog. The real like, dog. Ruff, ruff. So cool. <laughs> so well done. Yeah, no, no, it's very cool. Yeah. So, they, that, so that's our friends, Sir Didymus, Ludo and Hoggle that come along. Hoggle's kind of a complex character though because he's been told by Jareth to with Sarah's attempts to get to the centre of the labyrinth. He's but compromised. He's, but he's conflicted because he, he, he actually wants to be a good guy. And he wants his only... his fr- Sarah's his only friend. He does it, yeah. He's like this lonely, complex character who's like, oh, I don't want to do anything bad to anyone, but then I also don't want to admit that I lo- like or need anyone either. Aww. Yeah. There's a really cool moment where Lu- Sarah's alone with Ludo and she's saying, who knows... Who who can maybe you know maybe someone around here can can get to the center of this labyrinth and then it cuts to Hoggle walking about by himself because he's left them and he's he's all like get to the labyrinth get to the labyrinth one thing's for sure she'll never get to the labyrinth and I remember <laughs> as kids uh, me and my brothers were just like. I think Hoggle knows how to do it, man. Yeah, he, man. Totally. He just even he, he Hoggle's got see if, the fucking code. You see if Hoggle was totally one hundred percent like not a coward. Uh, like he admits to being a coward, he admits to being under Jareth's control, and he can't do very much. He's dis- hes disempowered. We were like, I bet you if Hoggle just decided to fucking reach that courage inside him and be like the whole heart. Come on, Hoggle! He would save the fuck. He'd go right to the center of that labyrinth. Mate, that's yeah. why you're such an upstanding bloke because you like this movie patterned that inside you. you know? <laughs> You've got to be strong. You've got to be courageous. Upstanding bloke. You've got to be an upstanding bloke. So Hoggle, yeah, there's kind of a journey for everyone in this film then because like, not only does Sarah re- you know, find out things, but th- there's like this recurring message that every th- not, you, know, you can't take anything for granted and I don't really know what that means. Well, because... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Nadim is, like, cursed by the boredom right now, oh. talking about a film he just like labyrinth. Anymore. Well, because she takes her little brother for granted, and he oh. ends up getting taken away from her. Oh. So, but then she takes him for granted because it turns out that she doesn't dislike him as much as she thought. She uh, yeah. wants to look at... She wants to rescue him from a labyrinth. So even though she wishes him away, she does also want to get him back. So that's nice. It's it? like when you get angry at, at some object and then you smash it against the wall and you go, oh, fuck, I've just smashed it now. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Not that I think babies are objects. Babies but... are objects. Yeah, so fair enough. Sarah learns that you can't take anything for granted. Right, exactly. Hoggle finds that strength inside himself to become an upstanding bloke and Ludo, by the end Ludo of it. And Ludo just kind of... Ludo doesn't need to. Ludo doesn't need to progress in life. He's Ludo. fine as he is. Ludo, Sarah, Sarah, 
He really does remember you. Also, Sir Didymus, he's also like... That's a weird thing, right? When they meet Sir Didymus, mm. he's all like, you cannot cross this bridge without my permission. Yeah, he's I have jo- taken... He's jobs worth I have taken a vow. And then she asks him for permission and he goes, uh, well, yes? And then not only does he let them pass, but he goes with them. So he, he essentially decides he to cease... these posts. Yeah, he decides to cease guarding the bridge because he's decided to let one person go. That'll be the hook for the sequel, man. That'll be like, oh, the bridge was unguarded. The bridge was unguarded. Well, the bridge actually falls down, so maybe that's why he decides to leave it, because it actually collapses. Yeah, his job doesn't doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. Simon just came up with a really stupid point just then, because he was guarding a bridge that collapsed, thus making him redundant. I, I might as well go with you, Sarah. So, you got, yeah, you're going to the Goblin King's he's castle. Been, he's Why been not? Redundant. <laughs> yeah. He, so basically, Sir Didymus's plot point is that he deals with redundancy like an <laughs> like a mature adult. Well done, Sir Didymus. Uh, what do you do when you've been made redundant? That's a, I, that is find, a film for our times. Find something. Else. In yeah, the face like, of automation. Forget uh, that Ken Loach film. What was it called? I Daniel Blake. Yeah. This, forget that. Watch Labyrinth, and you will learn about redundancy and how to deal with your life in a redundant in a world that deems you redundant mm-hmm. you learn about starvation as well because Sarah's hungry she gets given a nect- is it a nectarine that looks like a peach but isn't fuzzy I don't know what is the- I don't know There's a, a nectarine fruit- is half apple half peach is it? <laughs> I don't know hey, anyway, well, it's the- like how a, a pineapple is half kiwi half tree Jareth gives Hoggle a fruit that Looks like a peach, but it's one of those smooth peaches that doesn't oh, have the fuzz. An apple? Uh, no, but it. I, I know what it, I know that I know what it is, but a nectarine sounds right. I don't. I don't know my yeah. fruit. And uh, it turns out that it sends her into a sleep. Hoggle's worried, of course. He's like, "It's not going to hurt the little lady, is it?" Um, <laughs> it's so weird how much you know about this. <laughs> She it's gets like put into, into your brain. Like. She get she takes a bite of this thing and goes, "What have you done, Hoggle?" And he's all like, "No!" And he runs away and like feels bad about himself for having delivered the the, the apple. The roofy apple. Yeah, it sends her into a sleep. That's a very strange sequence in the film where she's uh, she's suddenly, in a dream sequence. She's in a dance room with all, all these people, like uh, in the strange eyes wide shut type masks <laughs> that's right yeah yeah and David Bowie's there <laughs> David Bowie's there and they meet eyes and it's all very strange considering she's a teenage girl because it seems like I suppose it's in a the bit se- like a music video in the sequence though she's kind of dressed up like a princess so it's like she's playing an adult role yeah. within the film and her hair's like huge yeah she's playing an adult role sort of princess and Jareth appears to be like looking at her in a sort of like enticing way so that's a bit of a strange moment, but I think visually it's also a great moment in the film. I think that the stuff that goes on, the optical effects and things, making the screen warp mm. and all that, you know, it looks it looks brilliant. And she like runs up eventually when she decides she's had enough of this strange zone. Uh, she runs over to a mirror and smashes it to to fall back. She still hasn't regained her memory, and there's this crazy old woman creature that's like that leads her back into a replica of her bedroom. That's really cool. She's, she's all like, you know, I was I was looking for something, but I don't know what. She's forgotten her mission uh, to find Toby. And the woman's all like, I'll tell you what you've lost. What about this? Here, here's your toys. And she's like throwing toys and like, here, you want, you want, your, you want your puzzles, don't you? You want your, you know, your, this book and that book. She's like throwing all of the, um, all of this, the contents of her bedroom 
in her hands and then leads her into an actual replica of her bedroom. That, and then the yeah. whole bedroom just gets destroyed when she remembers, and that's really cool. I have to find Toby! That's cool. That I is have cool. to find Ben Gazzara lookalike yeah. Toby. <laughs> I think if you want, if you want to... <laughs> If you want to watch a film that's really inventive and fun, and you haven't seen it, I mean, I think I'm probably in like the five percent of people who haven't seen this fucking movie. Well, I have seen it now, but it's a strange thing that you hadn't seen it, and then now that you've watched it, you're really sort of tepid and lukewarm on it. You're just like, oh, <laughs> well, is it the kind of movie that everyone's like, yes? I think most people have seen it as a child, and it doesn't matter how old you are. You love it anyway. If you were a child post-1986, then you saw this film yeah. and uh, decided that it was part of your life. If, unless your name is Nadim. <laughs> it seems to be the case. When David Bowie died, um, the cinemas showed this. Like They, they all like, turned Did up. They? And, yeah, 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 they all turned up and showed this for weeks. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you didn't feel tempted to go and see it, no? Eh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look at a trailer and just think, that looks like the sort of shit I'd hate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me, I don't know. But I think with this film, I'm willing to admit that it is not, it's not them, it's me. It's not It's not them, it's me. It's not you, it's me. Oh God, you that know. old line, that old chestnut. We interrupt this podcast. <laughs> It's a terrible podcast for terribly considered movies. Mm-hmm. That's terribly considered. At the very, the sort of penultimate sort of sequence to her completing her task, she confronts Jareth in what is an M.C. Escher type painting. But it's not a painting, it's actually a set that's... Uh, she's got the Escher painting on her wall, uh, but then she ends up in this weird sort of staircases going in every direction type zone. Where just, gravity does not apply. And Bowie's all like running around underneath her and over her and mm-hmm. singing this delightful song. I love this. Everyone loves this song. <laughs> My brother and me just like trade off lines, you know. You're, <laughs> Your eyes can be so cruel. Boom, boom, boom. Just as I can be so cruel. <laughs> There's a really funny moment where he lets his voice break up. It's like he goes, Love without your heartbeat. <laughs> like, that's like a gift. I did not remember it's that. Like, it's like he, then he, after that, he kind of trails off. He kind of goes, I can't live with in you. And looks off to the side of the car. He's <laughs> like, well, wait, can you not be bothered singing anymore? Do you need to have a sit down? Pay ran out. It's like, or David Bowie could see the future, so I reckon maybe he just right. saw that this. Movie Imagine if the lyrics went, "I just checked my bank balance." Hundred percent. No, he said he saw the future, saw that this film was a flop, and decided, "I better. I'm, I'm just going to stop acting right here." <laughs> that. So, did yeah. he do an acting gig? Oh, he did plenty of acting after this, yeah. Acting. He was in uh, the Christopher Nolan film, The Prestige, as a fairly old, was he? Ma- old magician bloke. Oh, yeah. my God. I didn't know that. David, oh, my God. He was in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. So was he? Why am I not remembering I not this know shit? That. Uh, yes, he's a, he's a very key character in Twin Peaks from Fire Walk with me onwards. That is amazing. He's also in Babe Pig in the City. He plays Babe. 
<laughs> he's the pig. The talking pig who never sings. Because he's decided he can't live within you. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, um... Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, um... Um... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, um... Um, uh, yeah, he, um... Uh, yeah, he, um...